Behold, the family van. (laughs) This was my family van as a kid. This is a 1987 maroon Nissan van. This was before they started giving vans names, so it's just called van. Okay? Do any of you remember seeing these on the road? Some of you, do any of you remember seeing them? Oh, yeah, yes, a few of you, okay. Lots of memories in that van. Some good, some not so good. For example, there was the time that my sweet mother almost rolled the van with all of us in it. True story. We were driving down a very steep, curvy road there in Southern California, and when my mom cranked the steering wheel to accommodate the sharp turn, the the van tipped. We were literally just on two of the wheels for about two seconds, though it seemed like an eternity, and it was awesome. (laughs) In fact... My siblings and I could not wait to get home to tell our dad what had happened. Dad, you're never going to believe it. Mom almost rolled the van. Now, uh, please do not be too hard on my mother. For as you can see, the reason why the van almost rolled, it wasn't because of her driving. As you have noticed, it was because this van is Poorly designed. I mean, just look at the thing. Look at where the wheels are. Do you see how close they are to each other? Do you see any other vehicles on the road today like this? Of course not. (laughs) They scrapped this model a long time ago. You know why? Because it was poorly designed. That's what made it so tipsy. And to be fair to Nissan, they aren't the only company that has made something that was poorly designed. I mean, think of those liquid soap dispensers that shoot straight out instead of down. (laughs) Who thought of that? That wasn't a good idea. All this to say, I think we can agree that it's not uncommon for us today to encounter many things that don't work well. People and companies can often create things that are poorly designed. But what about God? Do you think that God creates junk? That is, do you believe that God's designs are in some way flawed? Or, or better said, maybe not flawed, but, but perhaps outdated. You know, they, they need some modifications. Because, you know, we today, we know so much more, and, and we can improve upon His designs that are lacking. This morning, we're going to be studying Ephesians chapter 5, 
verses 21 through 33. And you know what this passage teaches? This passage teaches God's good design for marriage. In this text, God, through the Apostle Paul, he reveals the roles that he has designed. The roles that he has drawn up, if you will, for a husband and a wife. Roles that he has given for marriages to flourish. Yet before we even read this text, we need to ask ourselves this really important question, and that is this. Do you believe God makes and designs junk? Do you believe His designs are flawed, like my family minivan? Or do you believe that His designs are perfect and good? Because I have to tell you, friend, at the outset, it's really not more complicated than that. Because if you do believe that God is good and He does good and that what God's designed is excellent, then you'll be receptive to the roles that He has assigned to a husband and to a wife. Yet if you believe that God designs things that are flawed, if you believe God's ways are antiquated or like an iPhone, it constantly needs a, a software update, then at best, at best, you'll be a resistant to what Ephesians 5 teaches. So I'm going to put all my cards on the table and let you know that my aim this morning is to persuade you that God's designs are good and worthy of our praise. Indeed, my prayer is that all of us would receive what God teaches about marriage with joy and with thanksgiving. So to accomplish that, I'm going to let the text speak for itself. As I even prayed this morning, my prayer is that I would get out of the way so that the clear message and methods of this text would press upon every person's heart. And that in humility you would apply what it says with joy. So if you haven't already, please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. That's page 978 in that white paperback Bible. And as, as we, we study this text, I want to just share a little bit pastorally from my heart. Okay? Two things. First, I, I really have no concern with what anyone outside of this building thinks. 
my responsibility as given by God is for the people here. So I'm going to be preaching this message to the people that I know and that I love. And that's the other thing I want to say. As your pastor, I am so thankful for each person here and for you married couples. I, I, I am so proud of the wives of this church. I am so proud of the husbands of this church. And so as we work our way through this passage over the next couple of weeks, you need to know that your pastor loves you and is praying for you as we study this. And that you would receive it as it's intended to be received, with joy and thanksgiving, and that we would make it our aim, as I know you desire to, to please the Lord in every aspect of our lives, especially in our marriages. So follow along with me in your copy of God's Word as we read Ephesians 5. And I'm going to back up a little bit, starting in verse 20. So Paul talks about, do not be filled with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And he says this, verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to say for a moment, giving thanks to God for everything, and that includes what he's about to instruct us in next. He says in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In what ways do you want us to submit to one another? Paul, verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. How, Paul? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Amen and amen. This is God's good, good word.
Uh, shortly after our first child was born, uh, my wife and I, we went to visit her family in St. Louis. We're living here in Louisville. We're going to drive to St. Louis. Kate, our daughter, was about five months old at the time, and it's about five, five and a half hour trip. Well, after we got Kate all strapped in into the car seat in the back of our little Honda Accord, uh, Stephanie and I decided, okay, who's going to be responsible for what? And we mutually agreed that my responsibility was to drive safely, keep my eyes on the road, and her responsibility was to care for the needs of Kate in the back seat. Well, about an hour into the trip, I didn't think Stephanie was doing that great of a job. <laughs> and, you know, and you know what? She didn't think I was doing that great of a job myself. <laughs> so you know what I did? I kept looking back over at Kate, looking back to see what was going on back there, neglecting my responsibility to keep my eyes on the road. You know what Stephanie was doing? She was ignoring Kate and kept her eyes on the road to make sure I was doing a good enough job. Get this. In that car ride, instead of paying attention to the responsibilities we were assigned, we instead were more concerned with what the other wasn't doing. And you know what? Chaos ensued. <laughs> it was a miserable, miserable car ride. Well, sadly, many marriages are just like that. They're miserable. And you know why? Because they function like Stephanie and I did in that car ride. Instead of a wife or a husband giving his or her full attention to the roles and responsibilities God has assigned to him or her, they instead focus on what their spouse is or is not doing. He's not loving me like he should, like he's commanded. She's not following my leadership like she should. If only they would do what God calls them to do, and they focus exclusively on what their spouse is or is not doing, all the while neglecting what God calls them to do. I want you to notice that in Ephesians 5, the text I just read, Paul outlines the various roles God has assigned to a husband and wife. And please notice he gives no qualifiers. That is, Husbands and wives are to fulfill their roles regardless of whether their spouse is doing the same. Now this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the first half of this text, which gives instructions to the wife. Next week, we're going to study the husband's role. And why are we going to do it that way? Well, very simply, that's because that's the way Paul does it. And notice, Paul speaks to the wife first. And what is it Christian wives are called to do? The answer is found there in verse 22, and it's simply this. Wives, submit 
to your own husbands. This is the role that God has assigned to every wife. This is His design. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, as several commentators have pointed out, the word submit does not actually appear in verse 22 in the original language. It's implied from verse 21. So what does that mean? Well, based on how Paul constructed this passage, he's not calling for mutual submission between a husband and wife. No, grammatically speaking, Paul is specifically describing who is to submit to who. The New Testament scholar Peter O'Brien helps us well here when, getting, when trying to understand the flow of Paul's thought from 21 into verse 22. He says this. He says, Paul is saying this. Submit to one another. And what I mean is, wives, submit to your husbands, children to your parents, and slaves to your masters. Right? Wives, submit to your own husbands. But what does that word submit even mean? In a 2011, during the GOP presidential debates, uh, this very Bible verse was brought up and mentioned. Some of you might remember this. Congresswoman Michelle Bachman was asked the, pres- asked the question, said, as president, would you be submissive to your husband? On live TV. And some of you, do you remember what she said? Here is Bachman's response. She said, Marcus and I will be married for 33 years this September 10th. I'm in love with him. I'm so proud of him. And both he and I, what what submission means to us, if that's what your question is, it means respect. I respect my husband. He's a wonderful, godly man and a great father. And he respects me as his wife. Now, from a political point of view, Bachman answered the question very well. (laughs) She did herself no harm by saying that submit means respect and that she and her husband respect each other. And full disclosure, I've met Michelle. I've prayed for her. She's a wonderful, godly Christian woman. However, biblically, the word submit does not simply mean respect. Now, of course, it implies respect, but it goes beyond that and requires wives to follow the leadership of their husbands. You see, the word submit, it actually means uh, uh, to arrange under. It was used in the military to refer to the subordination of soldiers in an army to those of a superior rank. So to submit, when someone submits, it's to arrange yourself. I'm going to voluntarily place myself under the authority of another. And I want you to notice 
that wives are to submit to their own husbands. Do you see that? That's very important. God clearly identifies the sphere in which a wife is to submit. She submits to her own husband, not all husbands. Amen, ladies? Somewhere, right? Right? As, as John Piper has, I think, correctly stated of, of what the biblical idea of submission here is, he says this, Submission is the calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and to help carry it through according to her gifts. Now, I am quite sure you have many questions as to what this practically looks like. I know I do. And I'm also just quite certain we're all uncomfortable right now, aren't we? We are. What does that say? Wives, what? It's always... I, I, um, I recently listened to a uh, podcast, and it was a, I don't listen to podcasts often, but this one is a bunch of pastors, and they're talking about some of the challenges that pastors face today. And one of the guys asked, well, what do you think is, what's the hardest group of people to pastor today? You know what they all said without missing a beat? Women. It's not because there's something inherently wrong with women or they're problematic, not at all. That's not what they meant. They said the reason why pastoring women is so hard today is because what our culture says to women, about women, constantly. And what our culture says to women, about women, is almost entirely antithetical to the good counsel the Bible presents. This is why when I say wives submit to your own husbands, we'd still just feel a little, ugh. This is why you can hear a pin drop. And you're going to be able to hear a pin drop throughout this entire sermon. And as God's people, we need to push back in our hearts against the false counsel of the world and instead say, no, This is good, and it's good for me. God's designs are for our benefit. So, so what does it mean then to submit to your own husband? How are you to do that? Well, thankfully, Paul tells us. And grammatically, Paul draws our attention to three ways in which wives are to fulfill this God-given calling of submitting to their own husbands. And again, I just want to say as your pastor, as I, as I know the wives of this church, I have great affection for you. Brotherly affection. And I've been praying for you this week. As I've been praying for the husbands, because the husbands are going to need two weeks of prayer for what we're going to go to next, <laughs> next week. Okay? But he draws our attention to three ways in which wives are to do it. And the first is in verse 22. Notice, wives are to submit to their own husbands 
as to the Lord. Look again at verse 22 again. You can see where our main idea is. Wives, submit to your own husbands, and this is very important, as to the Lord. Let me ask you, who do you think women trust when it comes to finding the correct fit for clothing? Who do you think women trust? If you can believe this, several years ago, USA Today conducted a survey to find the answer to that very question. But, but let, let's start at the bottom. Who do you think women trust the least? The least to help find the correct fit for clothing. Who do you think they trust the least? <laughs> wow, you guys. Yeah. Their sister. Only 5% trust the opinion of their sister. She came in least. The mother wasn't any better at 5% as well. A friend scored higher than a daughter with a friend coming in at 13%. A husband came in at 26%. So you know who women trust the most when it comes to deciding if a piece of clothing fits correctly? Who do you think they trust the most? Themselves. More than 37% of women believe they know best. When it comes to submitting, where do you think women ought to place their trust? Wives, submit to your own husbands. In this act of submitting to your own husband, women, where do you think you are to place your trust? Yourself? Your husband? No, as the Apostle Paul makes clear, it is to be the Lord. Notice, wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. And now ladies, please hear me, this is more significant than you might first think. Christian wife, consider what Paul is teaching here. He's saying that you submit to your own husband out of obedience to Jesus, not your husband. You see, submission is not a matter of whether you trust your husband. No, it's a matter of whether you trust the Lord. If you're the note-taking type, please hear me when I say this. Christian wife, you submit to your husband not because he's worthy of it, but because Jesus is. This is the first and arguably most important truth when it comes to the Bible's teaching on submission. Ladies, if you don't believe this, then you will have a hard time doing what the rest of this passage commands of you. You submit to your husband, not because he's perfect, not because he's trustworthy, because you know what? He isn't. But Jesus is. And this is his good command for you. So ladies, settle in your heart now, once and for all, the, com the counsel of this text. Your joyful submission to your husband is an act of worship and devotion to God. But that's not all this little phrase means as unto the Lord. Second, to submit to your own husband as unto the Lord, you know what it also means? It also means that you must have, please hear me, 
God in your thoughts. You know who is absent in almost every anxious thought a woman has? Who do you think? God. Women who give way to fear and anxiety do not have God in their thoughts, especially when it comes to submitting to their imperfect, flawed, sinful husbands. A Christian wife, hear this good news. Please hear me. God is fully aware of your situation. Do you believe that? Christian wife, do you believe God knows what your husband is doing? Do you believe God is aware of your husband's flaws, sins, and imperfections? Or do you think God is ignorant of them? You know, many wives believe they need to be the savior of their home. That is, they need to do whatever it takes because they believe no one else is looking at what is going on as closely as they are. But Christian sister, that is just not true. Our triune God, our good and merciful God is fully aware of every aspect that is going on in your home. He is fully aware that your husband is not perfect. And he's also fully aware of the ramifications of the choices that your husband will make. God knows all this. And in obedience to Christ, you are commanded to submit to your own husband. Notice, nowhere in this text does it say, or anywhere else in Scripture, wives, submit to your husband only when he has achieved perfection or only when he does what you want him to do. Don't you wish it said that? (laughs) Now, as we will see in a moment... This does not mean, Christian wife, that you're to submit to your husband by engaging in sin. A wife is called to submit up to the point where submission to her own husband would involve disobedience to God. Because why? You submit unto the Lord. But please hear me. (laughs) There is a vast difference between sin and personal preference. For example, it is not a sin when deciding how long to go visit your side of the family that your husband says, you know, we we can only go for four days when you want to stay six days. That's not sin. Nor is it a sin if your husband says, hey, I want to increase our giving to God, increase our giving to the local church, when you want to actually decrease giving so you can spend money on other things. Wives of Faith Community Church, I I beseech you, do not willingly deceive yourself into thinking that you're taking a stand against your husband's sin when in fact you're simply taking a stand for what you want. And in so doing, 
disobeying God's command for you to submit to your own husband. So in what areas is a wife called to submit to her own husband? Don't worry, we'll get there. You know why? Because Paul does. Yet please notice, he does not go there until he first articulates several important principles. And the first is this. Wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. You submit not because your husband is trustworthy, but because Jesus is. And God is in your thoughts, believing that He is good and He does good, and He's fully aware of everything, and you don't have to be the Savior of your family because Jesus is. But then second, wives are to submit to their own husbands. Notice, as the church submits to Christ. Look at verses 23 and 24. He says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit. In the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, <laughs> the bride-to-be is concerned that her father won't approve her marrying a non-Greek man. She tells her mom, Dad is just so stubborn. You know, the, the man is the head of the home. And, and you remember what the mom says? She says, it's so great. She says, let me tell you something. The man is the head but the woman is the neck. And she can turn the head any way she wants. <laughs> you remember this? This text that I just read, these two verses, clearly teach that the head of a wife is her husband. I mean, even the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding recognizes that. But what does that mean? When we look at how this word is used elsewhere in the New Testament, especially by Paul, it becomes very clear that headship means authority. God has created a hierarchy of authority within the marriage relationship. Now, egalitarians and evangelical feminists, they reject this. Instead, they argue that head doesn't mean authority, Instead, they say head means source. However, this interpretation is unconvincing for a variety of reasons. First, it's not clear that the word head ever means source in the New Testament. Not to mention anywhere else in Greek literature. But don't take my word for it. One prominent theologian did an extensive research, a study of over 2,000 occurrences of the Greek word head in both biblical and extra-biblical literature. And in his peer-reviewed report, you know what he discovered? He found that the word head never means source. In contrast, what is clear is that the Bible's use of the word head, especially in Paul's writing, it means authority. Indeed, he's already used it before in the book of Ephesians. What do we learn in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22? Paul writes this, speaking of Jesus, and he put all things in subjection under his feet 
and gave him as what? Head over all things to the church. So Paul certainly means authority when he uses the term head here in verse 23. This is a clear teaching of Scripture. In fact, in fact, it's so clear that egalitarians and evangelical feminists will simply argue, you know what they'll say? They'll say, Paul's just wrong. Or what they'll say is this design is flawed. Faith, in his perfect wisdom, God has designed relationships with a hierarchical structure, specifically the relationship between a husband and a wife. The husband is the head of the wife. Now, this does not mean that a wife is inferior to her husband. Amen? No. From Genesis to Revelation, God's Word makes it abundantly clear that both men and women are created in the image of God and bear equal dignity and worth. Yet God, in His wisdom, has assigned different roles within the marriage. What I want you to see is that a wife is to submit to her husband. And notice the imagery that Paul gives. Just as the church is to submit to Christ. Christian wives, if you want a picture of how you are to submit to your own husband, consider how the church, God's people, submits to the Lordship of Jesus. Pastor and author Brian Chappell uh, helps us out here. He writes this. He says, as the church can never fulfill its purposes without submission to the holy will of her Lord, the apostle reminds women that they cannot fulfill their divine purposes if they are not submitting to the biblical purposes of their husbands. I wonder how many Christian wives think they are truly fulfilling their divine purpose by leading Bible studies, serving in the church, having coffee meetings with other women, yet while at home they are unsubmissive to their husband's leadership. I mean, think about it. How misguided would a church be and thinking they are fulfilling their divine purpose when they intentionally refuse to submit to Christ's lordship. So too is the Christian wife who does not submit to her own husband. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to ask this question just for you to consider. I'm going to ask the exact same question next week to the men. But for this morning, Christian women... Could it be that the main problem that is handicapping your marriage and making your relationship with your husband so difficult is that you're not a submissive wife? That is, you are failing to honor God by doing what He calls you to do in marriage? Christian wife, do you want to improve your marriage relationship? Then follow God's good design and to submit to your husband as the church submits to Christ. But then finally, 
This passage teaches that a wife is to submit to her own husband in everything. Look at verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. In his uh, excellent book, Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage, pastor and counselor Jim Neuheiser gives a helpful example of how biblical submission ought to play itself out in everyday life. We've been talking about this, that wives are to submit to their own husbands. Okay, but what does that really look like Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday? What does it practically look like? And considering all that Paul has taught about how God has structured the marriage, that the husband is the head and how the wife is to submit, Neuheiser writes this that I think will serve us well. He says this. He says, Biblical submission means that after a couple has discussed an issue, the husband has the responsibility under God to make the final decision. And this is what we're going to talk about next week. Husbands bear the responsibility before God. So if you want to know what biblical submission looks like, a husband and wife discuss the matter at hand, but then it falls to the husband under God to make the final decision. But he goes on, he says this, a godly wife will try to work for the success of whatever decision her husband makes, as opposed to an unsubmissive wife who might be tempted to grumble, nag, or undermine her husband's leadership. Now, notice what Paul says there in verse 24. He says that a wife's submission to her husband's leadership is to be comprehensive in everything. Paul could have used so many other words He could have constructed that sentence in a million different ways. But Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. This means every area of life. So let's ask ourselves a couple questions. So what would some of those areas be? Christian wives. This would include what you wear, how you spend money, how you raise children, your career, how the home is taken care of. Now, this does not mean that the husband should micromanage his wife in all these areas. Nor does it mean that the wife has no say in family decisions. We we talked about this, as this quote mentions. Indeed, a wise husband, and we'll talk about this next week, a wise husband will seek the wise counsel of his wife. However, as Paul makes clear, she is to submit to him in everything and to do so joyfully. As author Martha Peace has written, The submission of a godly wife is more than a duty. 
It should be her heart's delight. Are you ready for it to get really quiet right now? Okay. What about the marriage bed? (laughs) Thank you, whoever dropped that cup. (laughs) It was needed in this moment. Okay. Does that fall under the category of in everything? Well, based on what Paul has said earlier in chapter 5, and especially what Paul says in verse 31, the answer would be yes. That said, Paul does provide additional counsel for this aspect of marriage in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 9. In fact, I would encourage you to look at it later this afternoon. Because in that passage, Paul teaches this very important marital truth, and that is, Christian who's married, he teaches, your body belongs to your spouse. This is what Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 7, 1-9. Your body belongs to your spouse. A husband's body belongs to his wife, and a wife's body belongs to her husband. Indeed, Paul and the rest of Scripture teaches that sexual relations within marriage are holy and good. In that First Corinthian text, Paul reminds us that within marriage, sex should be fondly regarded, freely given, and frequently practiced. Christian husband... Your body belongs to your wife. And Christian wife, your body belongs to your husband. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this text does not mean that a wife is to submit to her husband by engaging in sin. Again, let me say, a wife is called to submit up to the point where submission to her own husband would involve disobedience to God. Because remember, wives, you're to submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. In fact, and please hear me, Christian wife, if your husband is engaged in sin, you must speak out against it. Remember, in a Christian marriage, your husband, he's also your brother in the Lord. His soul is of importance. So please hear me, this passage does not negate every other scripture where we are called to rebuke and admonish one another. Faith, my family van growing up was poorly designed. Indeed, one might say it was dangerous. Yet unlike those engineers at Nissan, our good and merciful God does not design junk. His ways are good. And His design for marriage is the very counsel we need. And here's the question that I want to leave you with. Will you receive it? Indeed, will you joyfully follow it? And here's my follow-up question. If not, can I ask why? Why would you reject this counsel? To put it another way, Christian wife, what is keeping you from going all in on submitting to your own husband as articulated in this passage. 
What are you afraid of? You know what many women say? You know how many women answer that question? They refuse to submit because they fear losing control. That is, please hear me, they think that if they do this, no one will look out for them. They'll be left vulnerable and no one will be caring for them. Yet Christian wife, nothing could be further from the truth. You know who is always looking out for you with great care? The true groom, the Lord Jesus Christ. As Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, 4, Christian wife, please hear me. As you seek to do this, Peter writes that your gentle, quiet, and submissive spirit is not just precious in the sight of God, he says, very precious in the sight of God. There are not many occurrences in the entire Bible where we read of something being very precious to God. But Christian wife, your submission as unto the Lord is. You may not always have the eye of your husband, but Christian wife, please hear me, you do have the eye of your true groom, the Lord Jesus. Take heart knowing that He is fully aware of every aspect of your life. He loves you. He cares for you. And He is doing all things, including living with your husband, with all his sins and all his imperfections. God is using all things for your good and His glory. Amen? Let's pray.